Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. I was thinking this morning, I am a happy father. What do you need for Father's Day? What, what, you know, that's what I was asked. What can we get you? What do you want? And I really don't need anything. I have everything. I've got an awesome wife, awesome children, awesome family, awesome church. I really can't think of anything else I could possibly need. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm happy. There's some things that could come along, you know, like a big sack of money. That'd make life easier, but I don't think I'd be any happy. I'm, I'm good. We're good. So, uh, happy Father's Day. Hope all you fathers are happy this morning. And I read this this morning, and it was uh, talking about fathers and how we mess up sometimes. And sometimes we get it wrong. And sometimes we say things or do things that, that we shouldn't and make mistakes, right? Don't we? So, uh, wives, just remember God's merciful and you, you should be as well. So the man was sitting on the edge of his bed watching his wife who was looking at herself in the mirror. Since her birthday was not far off, he asked what she'd like as a gift. She said, I'd like to be eight again, still looking in the mirror, she replied. On the morning of her birthday, he rose early, made her a nice big bowl of cocoa pops. Then he took her to the Adventure World theme park. What a day. He put her on every ride in the park. The death slide, that don't sound good. The wall of fear, the screaming roller coaster, everything there was. Five hours later, they staggered out of the theme park. Her head was reeling and her stomach felt upside down. He then took her to McDonald's where he ordered a Happy Meal with extra fries and a chocolate shake. Then he was off to a movie with popcorn, a soda pop, and her favorite candy, M&M's. What a fabulous adventure. Finally, she wobbled home with her husband and collapsed into the bed, totally exhausted. He leaned over his wife with a big smile and loving, lovingly asked, Well, dear, what was it like being eight again? Her eyes slowly opened and her expression suddenly changed. I meant my dress size, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, we, we get it wrong sometimes, don't we? Like I said, God's merciful. So moms, be merciful. Cut us some slack. Well, for the past several weeks, we've been talking about a spiritual diet, what you eat. And last week, we are talking about what you speak. Because out of the, your mouth, where's that coming from? It's coming out of your heart. So your heart's overflowing, and it flows right on out of your mouth. So it's very important what you put in you. And what you put in you is going to come out of you. The words you speak are very important because the words you speak are either life or their death. They're blessings or cursings. You can speak life and death over your spouse. You can speak life and death over your children, over your business, over your own life, over your parents, over a host of things. So what we speak is very important. Amen? Words are important. So let's get into it, shall we? I'm not preaching today. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope this thing's on. Yep, here we go. Hope everybody's doing all right. Let's see here. We'll just um, open up right here. I always like to pray and begin to get myself going, and then we'll just get right in. 
to the Word and see how the Lord leads us. You know, anybody, any question that anybody has, God can answer it. I'm talking about, obviously, there's any question, but sometimes, you know, people show up to church and uh, you have questions about your life, you have questions about circumstances, and uh, you've been praying, you know, asking the Lord. But if you come to church and you get inside a group of believers that are on the same page, whatever comes out of the speaker's mouth may not be applicable to your particular situation at the time. But the Spirit of God can bring illumination to your mind on your subject. And so that's, you know, when you come to church, always think that way. Because God can answer a question. He's not limited to me. Thank God for that. I mean, I graduated high school barely cum laude, you know. Uh, I am not a smart man. And, uh, and I definitely, I'm 41 years old, and I have not even come close to sticking my toes in the water of learning everything there is about the Lord. I haven't arrived, you know. But I can confidently say this, I have left, though. You follow me? I have left. And uh, Lord willing... I mean, we're going to, as he leads and guides, I mean, we're going to see some things through his word. So just be open-minded to him, not necessarily to me or to Red or anybody else, but just think in line with God and just say within yourself, Lord, I'm, I'm here to open up my mind. I want, I want you to open my heart. I want the word of God to get into my heart, into my spirit. And he'll do that. So, Lord, we thank you that you are good to us and that your mercy does endure forever. Lord, we thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven. Lord, we thank you that your spirit abides within us and he comes upon us. Lord, you're the, the appointer and the anointer. You can anoint our, our lips to speak and you can anoint our ears to hear. Now, we're trusting you to bring the truth of your word, the revelation of your word to each and every heart in this room, every family that may be represented and whoever may be listening on the app in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, first off, we've got a few readings to go to. Turn to Philippians first. And then after that, and maybe they'll have some stuff on the screen, but you could turn to the book of Philippians. And uh, we'll have a few, a few probably uh, semi-lengthy readings, and then uh, at the end of it, we'll tie it all together and then see where we wind up. We've got a short time to go, a long, a long way to get there, in a short, or a long way to go and a short time to get there. Y'all, y'all know that, Smokey and the Bandit? <laughs> All right. The third, third chapter of Philippians, this is Paul speaking. He says, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous. That word grievous means irksome. You ever use the phrase, that person just irks me? Well, you ever come to church and you, sometimes you feel like you hear the same thing over and over again and you start to feel irksome about it? Well, Paul said, I'm writing the same things to you. So don't let it irk you. You know, Romans tells us that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It doesn't come by having heard one time. It comes by hearing and by hearing and by hearing. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. We are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit, and we rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh. 
Though, he says, I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinks that he has a reason to trust in himself, I'm more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. That's a big deal for Jewish people. I'm from the stock of Israel. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching the law, I'm a Pharisee concerning zeal or ambition. I was the most ambitious. He said, I persecuted the church. Now, he thought he was doing it rightly. He thought he was doing it in the name of God. He said, but I was right. I'm the most ambitious. I'm the most educated. I'm the smartest. I, had, I rubbed elbows with the, the uppity ups. Everybody. But in the seventh verse, he says, but what things were a gain to me or to put me over or what things I thought to make me successful. I count it now a loss for Christ. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now look down the 10th verse. For the sake of time, we're going to skip here. He says, one thing I'm doing is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now keep that in mind. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's, that's uh, and mean it's a conjunction, you know. That's like when you say, how I want hamburger and fries. Well, Paul said, I want to know him and, and the power of his resurrection. Now skip down here to the 12th verse. He says, I haven't already attained or I'm not made perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend for that which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, Jesus, we've been apprehended by him. And I wish we had the time but to see everything, but Jesus paid a price and a half beyond our wildest imagination. We've been apprehended by him. And even though there's not one person on this planet that has ever walked to a point to obtain everything that Jesus died for, we still should be pushing towards it. But he says, you know, there is an area of walking with Jesus that we've never, that nobody on this planet has attained yet. But we should still be pressing forward. We're fixing to see that, pushing to it. And Paul said, I haven't made it. I haven't enjoyed everything that I know that's a reality in Christ Jesus, but yet I'm still striving for it. Not striving from the area of trying to earn it, because he said, when you get in Christ Jesus, you're there by grace, but there is a labor and a diligence that you do in his word and fellowshipping with him, acting upon his word that brings you to a spot that you're actually walking and led by him. Just for instance, everybody in here knows the 91st Psalm, don't they? Did you know in the 91st Psalm it says that the angels will not permit you to stump your toe? How many in this room's never stumped their toe? You've never stumped your toe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you misunderstood me. Everybody in this room stumped their toe. Who's lying? Is God lying? Think about it. He said that the angels will not permit you to stump your toe. But have you stumped your toe? Well, who's lying? 
do our circumstances make His Word of none effect? Or is it possible that you can be so led by Him, so full of Him, your mind is thoroughly renewed with His Word to the point that you don't stump your toe? There's the possibility of it. The Bible says there's a possibility of obtaining an area where you're walking in the fullness of God. And the, it is limitless. I ain't lost nobody, have I? Good deal. <laughs> I know I'm not very flamboyant, so you know, I'll try to keep it interesting. But anyway, in the 13th verse, this is what he said. And then we're getting where we're going. We're just trying to lay a little groundwork. He says, brethren, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, meaning I know I haven't made it. But this is something that the Apostle Paul said that he practices. He said, but this is one thing that I do. I forget things that are behind me. And I reach forth unto the things which are before me. And I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Listen, everybody in this room, I I trust now, we're all going to heaven. And that's first and foremost. Paul knows, he knew he's on his way to heaven, but he still says there is a prize in the high calling of Christ Jesus. And God wants to lead us into that while you're walking on this earth. He's wanting us to walk in that thing. He says, when he says, I forget things that are behind me, obviously your past mistakes and your past sins, I mean, they're gone and it should be forgotten. The past should be forgotten. But he's also talking about the things that I believed at one time. I thought a certain way. He thought everything that he was raised by in uh, the Sanhedrin and the, the Pharisees, he thought that was the right way, but when he met Jesus, became born again, and started living for him, he realized what I, th- I had to unlearn a lot. And then if you go back and read through his epistles, he'll tell you, I would rather go to a church where people knew nothing than a church that was full of religious tradition because it takes time to tear down religious tradition in order to start building on the right tracks of God's Word. It takes time. I mean, remember Jesus said, for when a man starts building a house, what is it? He starts to dig deep. Sometimes there's a lot of things that's got to come out of us. I'm 41 years old. I still consider myself a kid, but man, there's been a lot of junk come out of me. I'm talking about religious thinking that took some time. That I thought I was right in. I didn't realize I was wrong in. Well, God don't beat you half to death because you're wrong. And he don't bless you in your wrongness. He blesses you in spite of it. He blesses you do, based upon your, the integrity of your heart. You know. Because if he, blessed, if he blessed us strictly on our works, we'd all be sunk. Because we are, without him, we're pitiful. In him, obviously, we're something special. But uh, in spite of my ignorance, in spite of my religious tradition, in spite of what I thought was right, God still worked through me and helped me. But Paul also says in 1 Corinthians, he said, there comes a time, though, when you begin to grow up, you put away childish things. When you become a, when you were a child, you thought like a child. You behaved like a child. You acted like a child. But when you become a man... When you start to grow and mature in the Lord, you put away childish things. And you start to understand because Jesus gave parables 
in the fourth chapter of Mark and he said this, the kingdom of God is exactly like this. This is the way the word of God operates. This is how things happen. This is how things function. Whether uh, this has nothing to do with what we're fixing to get to. It has nothing to do with theology. It has nothing to do with a religious tradition. It has nothing in the world to do with a, dom- a denomination. This strictly has to do what's written in the Word of God. And our mind has just got to come to a spot where you have to renew your mind with God's Word and you have to accept what's written in the Word of God. If you don't want to accept it, it doesn't change it. The man or the woman that says there is no God doesn't change the truth that there is one. The Bible even has to say, you know what? Only the fool will say within his heart that there isn't one. Only the fool will say that there isn't one. It doesn't change it. Whether you stump your toe or not, it doesn't change the word. Whether your circumstances or whatever you do or whatever you say, it doesn't change the word of God. God's word's the same. And then you can go back. Paul told Timothy, on, talking about certain things, he said this. He said a lot of times, though, you know, people will hear the truth and you hear God's word and then you run, you make shipwreck out of it. You know, you start making a shipwreck. In other words, you start adding to and you get off in the left field and you start blabbing and you start doing things, for instance. And I know we're going kind of slow here, but I mean, you know. I only get to preach once a year on Sunday, you know, or so I mean, or once every few months. But uh, you know, I know some people. You ever heard? You know, there are some people that believe this way. They said they're a cessationalist. Cessationalists. They say this. They say, when the last apostle died, there is no such thing as apostles, prophets, anything like that anymore. They say the work of the Holy Spirit, He does not lead you. He does not guide you. There is no inward witness. There is no inward direction. There is no such thing as the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. That does not exist anymore. That's what a cessationalist says. Okay, they're 100% wrong. That's not in the Bible. Not only is it, I know by the Word and I know by experience. Dear Lord, I've been led by the Spirit several times. I've seen the Spirit of God manifest Himself several times. I have felt... In my body, I have seen and I have felt the actual tangible, real deal anointing flow before. So I know, and I didn't attribute none of that to the devil. The devil ain't out to heal or help nobody. And some of these idiots are saying it's the work of the devil. It's not. Jesus does not put Satan on his payroll. And a lot of times folks think that. When they say things, well, no, God don't do these things today. Yes, folks, God does perform miracles today. And he leads and he guides today. But uh, the cessationist says, you know what? These things, they don't happen. It's not real anymore. So uh, when you get over to the area, when, when I said when people get off in the left field and other things, when you talk about the ministry of the apostle and the prophet. See, the prophet's ministry is a real ministry today. That anointing, that, that office has not disappeared. And it's a whole lot broader than what people think. A lot of times folks think it just means I just go around prophesy here and there and yonder. And that's not what it means at all. You know, it, it touches on that some. But there's the reality of a real deal ministry of a prophet. But yet, 
people push the envelope and they make shipwreck out of the reality of it. And they go around passing out business cards at, at in church parking lots. Come see me, I'm a prophet. Come, come hear from me, I'm a prophetess. I have a word for you and I have a word for you. I have a word for you and I have a word for you. I know folks like that. That's what is making shipwreck of the reality of the ministry. And then you can go back and find in the Old Testament, people. You, this is a biblical example. You remember Moses and Aaron. You remember? They go before Pharaoh. You remember when they stood before Pharaoh, what God told Moses, what? Go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So they went in there and he said, see the hand of the Lord. And what happened? Aaron threw his rod down. And that rod turned into a serpent. Now that was by a demonstration of God's power, a sign and a wonder to confirm his word to Pharaoh to let my people go. But then Pharaoh's men walked up. They threw their rods down and they turned into serpents. They were, they were just mimicking the reality of, of what God did. But which one's right? God's rod, God, that snake that God had swallowed up Pharaoh's rod. So a lot of times when people go make shipwreck, it doesn't take away from the reality of the word. Do you follow me? It doesn't take away. From, you can't counterfeit anything unless you have a genuine first. You can't make a counterfeit $100 bill unless there's the reality of it first. Now, in uh, Romans, the third chapter, 27th verse, and now we're fixing to shift some gears here. We're just putting in second gear now. I think we're just, we're just moving a little bit. 27th verse. And like I said, we don't have time to read everything. But uh, he said, where is, where is boasting? When he's talking about you know, us being born again. Our boasting's all in Jesus. We're saved because of him. He said, where is boasting? You know, because it's, it's excluded because you can't boast in yourself. Now listen, by what law is what he says. By what law is where is your boasting now? And he says, of works or the law of faith. Which law are you going to boast in? He's not talking about Ten Commandments here now. Because he mentions, is it the law of works or the law of faith? Because, you know, we have all kinds of natural laws. you got the law of gravity, and it's constant. It's consistent. Whether you believe in gravity or not, it's working. If you want to defy the law of gravity without stepping into the law of aerodynamics, gravity will kill you. Get up on the building and jump off, see what happens. Did you know it's going to work, though? There's nothing you can do. I don't care how much money you've got. You cannot stop gravity. The only time we're going to stop gravity was Jesus says, come up hither. And we're going to defy the law of gravity. But uh, I'm talking about without aerodynamics. But there's also aerodynamics. It's a law. It's a natural law. You can't change it. You can misuse it and kill yourself. But you can't change it. 
Because it's what? Is it thrust, lift, and flight, I think, is what, what they say. Is the law of aerodynamics. Thrust, lift, and flight, what happens? Gravity's working. 24 hours a day, and it makes no difference. It works. You get to an airplane, and they've learned that, you know, with aerodynamics, you can press through gravity, and you can get up in the atmosphere, and you are now in the laws of flight. And as long as you stay in the law of flight, you're going to be safe, you're going to be fine, you're going to be able to go wherever you want to go. But we also have here, we have law of electricity. But there are principles in the law of electricity. If you, uh, if Alabama Power cuts the cord, you can come in here and push the button, flip the switch all day long. No lights will come on. But that does not put, do away with the law of electricity, does it? It's still in operation. Did you know that electricity, aerodynamics, and gravity, did you know all these laws were, were around when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden? It just took us 6, 000, man 6,000 years to begin to discover it, you know, and to see, oh, wait a minute, you know. And who, what, the Wright brothers? Boy, I mean, no telling how many arms and legs they broke before they got it right. But nevertheless, they stuck with it. It was in their heart to fly. It's always been in the heart of man to fly. Well, we said that, like I said, to lay a good foundation. So you can see here that there is a law of faith. And this is what we're getting to. We're getting to the good stuff. Hope everybody can see this. We'll we'll be out here in a hurry. I I promise you, it won't be long. I don't preach as long as Red does. You know? (laughs) I don't. And I think I heard Jackie say, amen. So in the nursery shouting. You know, the nursery always has Jack Daniels in there for the workers in there. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Erase that, you know. That's right. Yeah, if anybody wants to work in the nursery, we will supply everything you need. You know, everybody's going to be, everybody's going to sign up then, you know. See, now where were we at? We're talking about laws of faith. Now, there's law of faith. Now, listen, I know we're... This is, this is not, I know sometimes we're being goofy and stuff. This is, this is how things work for, from the Word of God. From God's Word, we're going to say there is a real deal law of faith. And uh, this, has, this has nothing to do with theology. Because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you know, in the Word, Jesus said, My Word is spirit and my Word is life. And the the law of faith is you have to get God's word into your heart. You believe in your heart, your spirit. Sometimes your mind may be, you know, you may not understand certain things, but in your heart, in your spirit, you believe. And Jesus said there are certain things that do, that has to take place, has to take place in order for you to get inside that law of faith and work. Now, if a man never, you can, you can reject Jesus by omission or commission if you want to. Meaning, you can deliberately say, I denounce Jesus, I want nothing to do with him. And you can do that. Or you can say within yourself, I'm never making a decision, I could care less. Both of them will send you right to hell. It doesn't matter. 
if you don't ever believe in your heart, the Bible says, and say with your mouth, Jesus Christ died for me. Jesus Christ shed his blood for me. He rose from the dead for me, and he is my Lord and my Savior. And really, the Bible says you hold fast the confession of your faith. Every person, every believer should say that every day. That Jesus Christ shed blood for me. He is my Lord and my Savior, and he's coming back to get me. That's what we should say. That is holding fast to the confession in Hebrews. He says, hold fast to it. That means hold tightly to it. And I'd say, you know, most people, I don't know everybody in the room, but uh, most folks, if, if some uh, idiot came in here waving a gun and said, I'm going to start shooting everybody up unless you denounce Jesus, I would say the majority of everybody in here, would n- it wouldn't dare come out of your mouth that you would denounce him. Because there's something in you stronger than what you see that fool with a gun. You see what I'm saying? There's something in you greater because the Bible says greater is he. There's a faith in you and a belief in you that says, I don't care what this idiot says. I will not denounce Jesus because someone else is in you and you're not afraid of that gun and you're not afraid of physical death either. Amen. That's, that's the truth. I don't want to go on the next boat, but I am not afraid to die. Nobody in this room should be afraid to die either. We don't want to go too early, but you're not afraid of it. Because Jesus, the Bible says, where is the sting of it? For us, it's just like taking your coat off and throwing it on the floor. There is no no sting for us. There's something inside when you're born again. There is much greater inside than just your ticket out of hell. That's first and foremost, but there's much, much more than just your ticket out of hell. And according to the Bible, in order for us to have our mind renewed and to start thinking in line with the way that he has bought and purchased us, you have to renew your mind with the word and you have to put the word inside your heart and it takes time and you have to change what comes out of your mouth. And he will change what comes out of your mouth. Amen, that's the truth. Because he even says in 1 John, he says, man, I mean in James, he said, you're born again, I'm paraphrasing. You should not be letting certain things come out of your mouth Cursing someone. You can't curse and bless at the same time. Because that shouldn't come out of the believer's mouth. I never saw Jesus go up and say, I hate you. I never saw him when kids came running that that he said, I don't want to fool with them bratty kids. Don't let them come up to me. Lord, we've got to feed, you know, five and 10,000 people out here. And here's a, little, here's a six-year-old, 12-year-old boy. Hey, Lord, I have this. I don't, what are we going to do about this? I don't want to do this. I ain't, I ain't got no way I can fix this. You see what I'm talking about? Jesus, those things never came out of his mouth. And I know you say, yeah, that was Jesus. Yeah, I know. But listen, Jesus is living in us through his spirit. Now, I'm not saying that. I'm not telling you to go off to Nigeria and, and find a thousand people and start trying to multiply bread. We're not doing that. 
I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Don't make shipwreck of what we're talking about. And I don't even want to go down the road because I, I trust everybody's intelligent enough to understand that, no, we're not talking about, Lord, I'm going to start declaring that I have ten beach houses. That's not what we're talking about. That's all I want to say about that because I don't even want to get over into that area. But did you know people make shipwreck of that? It doesn't take away the actual truth that believing in your heart and saying with your mouth gets into that area of spiritual laws that Jesus has put into operation. The law of faith has been in the universe before electricity. It's been there before gravity. That's the way God, this is His laws. And there are, uh, when I say credentials, like I said, we don't, we don't just don't have all the time. But from the chap, uh, Gospel of Mark and then there's other, there's other areas in the Bible that the law of faith operates on three categories. One, when we, when we say faith, number one, you, in your heart of hearts, in your inward man, you have to believe You have to believe in your heart. And a lot of times, it's really not in your heart. Certain things that sometimes people want to, you know, uh, confess and say, and and it's really not in your heart. It's what James calls, it's lust of the flesh. But you're trying to use the Word of God to get, to fulfill the lust of the flesh, and it just don't work that way. But Jesus did say in Mark 11, we're going to read it here in a minute, you believe in your heart. You say with your mouth, and then here's here's the last one right here. You have to operate in forgiveness. Or the law of faith will not will not be in, you will not operate in it. Amen. That's the truth. Your your spirit man, you have to believe in your heart. Your mouth has to line up with exactly what's in God's Word. And then you have to, because the Bible tells us in Romans that faith operates, how? By love. But Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, He said, Whosoever should say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe the things in which he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he saith. And therefore I say unto you what things so you desire when you pray. Believe you receive and you'll have them. And when you stand praying, he says, forgive if you have aught against any. So that your Father in heaven will forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will he forgive you of your trespasses. He gave a lesson of faith in Mark eleven twenty three, And he said, believe it in your heart. What comes out of your mouth, but you've got to operate in an area of forgiveness. If you don't, you're really, I mean, you're, you're going against God's word. And really, you're going against the new nature that's in your own spirit. Because the Bible tells us this, the love of God has been shed abroad now in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Not in your head, but in your heart. And First uh, Peter says, you know, there is a faith unfeigned. There's also a love unfeigned. And the word feigned, we get our Greek word plastos. We get our English word plastic. 
And sometimes people uh, come to church or in, in Christianity, they have a feigned or they have a plastic faith or a plastic love. You know what I'm talking about, people that are fake to you? And the Bible calls it plastic. It don't, it don't last long. And sometimes people are putting on the dog, you know, how are you? And this, this goes all through churches. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. But in, your, in yourself and in your heart, you're, you're all torn up and even you're cursing, you know, from your heart. You're cursing things, cursing yourself, you know, full of unbelief and doubt. But yet you're going through the motions saying, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. That's, that right there is a feigned faith. It's a faulty. It's plastic. But he said there's the reality of having a solid faith in Jesus, in his word, and it grows and it develops. But uh, let me read a few of these right here. You can jot these down. This is talking about, this is a few verses that talks about what happens a lot of times when words come out of your mouth. And like I said, I'm not talking... We're not getting over into foolish things, but we're getting right here what Jesus, what the Word of God has to say about things that come out of the mouth. In uh, Proverbs 18th chapter, he says, a man, 18, 20 and 21, a man's belly will be satisfied by the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. And then he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it. We'll eat the fruit thereof. You heard the term, you're going to eat those words. Well, that came from the Bible. Sooner or later, you'll eat those words. Well, Jesus also said that you're going to be held accountable for every idle word that comes out of your mouth. Well, thank God for his blood because I'd be, in, I, I myself would be in a, in a world of hurt because I, I don't want to be held accountable. Because but he says you're going to be held accountable for every idle word that comes out of your mouth. Like I said, this is not a denominational theological type of a thing. This is straight, plain Jane from God's word here. Proverbs 6, the second chapter, he says, You're snared with the words of your mouth. And that word snared means, the Hebrew word means you're taken in a noose. And he says... You're taken with the words of your mouth or you're frozen or you're captured. Proverbs 16, 23 says, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth, adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as sweet to the soul, health to the bones, sweet as a honeycomb. And then, you know, you've even heard the phrase, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. Words hurt. Words hurt sometimes worse than sticks and stones on a natural level, but it also hurts on a spiritual level. Amen. That's, that's just, you know, it's all through the Bible. But uh, in Romans, the, the 10th chapter, he says, the word, he said, the word is nigh thee. It's near you. In your mouth, in your heart. That's the word of faith in which we, we preach that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he said, you'll be saved. But, but notice that he said, the word of God is in your mouth and it's in your heart. Mouth and heart. And if you confess, you know, Jesus, you believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, that's how a man is saved. That's how a man receives from God. 
That's how man maintains and walks with the Lord. And then in, uh, we'll close up here in just a second in, in Joshua. Joshua, uh, Moses died and the Lord spoke to Joshua and he said, this book of the law, Joshua 1.8, he said, this book of the law, I'm paraphrasing, we'd say this word of God now in the New Testament. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night to observe to do all that is written therein. For then, he says, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Even back there then, he's in, in, in your mouth. And in, in your mouth, the Old Testament, this book of the law, we'd say this New Testament, this new covenant shall not depart out of your mouth. But meditate therein. You know what the Hebrew word for meditate is? Meditate is. See, a lot of times you, you picture, medit- no, there is such thing as scriptural, Holy Spirit, biblical meditating. I'm not talking about Buddhists and Hindus crossing their legs and twiddling their thumbs. There is a real deal of meditating in God's word. And the, Greek, the Hebrew word means to say it to yourself over and over again. And he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That's what be there. And he says, if you do this, you'll make your way prosperous. He says, you'll have good success. In other words, this is, this is how, you know, he's offering. This is the way I do things or God does things. The word of faith, you know, we're not, like I said, not denomination or not a group, a, a group of folks. We're talking about when he says, you know, this book of the law, this word of God, this word of faith in your mouth, in your heart. And I wish we had, I do wish we had the time because, Lord, there's so much more in here. You know, it's hard to hit high points in 30 minutes. But it's a reality. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 